This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a Picture it, Los Angeles, 2022. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. Who am I, Carrie? I'm H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. <laughs> and? And I'm Carrie Doherty. Well, I, you're supposed to say, who am I? And then I'm supposed to say, you're Carrie Doherty. Well, yeah, well was, we need to plan these things before we start know, recording. Was, and who am I? Cute. You're Carrie Doherty. <laughs> And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of The Golden Girls and then talk about it. But guess what? We ran out of episodes. So now we're breaking down all 24 fabulous episodes of The Golden Palace, which, of course, is a spinoff of The Golden Girls and is currently streaming in the United States on Hulu. It absolutely is, H. Allen. And we just watched season one, episode 11, titled Camp Town Races Aren't Nearly as Fun as They Used to Be, which aired oh, on December 4th. I know, which aired on December 4th, 1992, and is the one where Roland doesn't want Blanche to host the Daughters of the Traditional South at the hotel, and Rose doesn't want the hotel to host adultery. <laughs> or what's her line? You'll burn in hell. Yeah. I'm not Burn kidding. For the rest of your lives. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. This episode. So um, you guys probably, I mean, well, I don't know if you're familiar with this episode or not, but uh, this episode is a big one. It's, I was, I had not watched it. I'll, I'll admit, I've only watched clips from this episode, but during uh, 2020, right after the murder of George Floyd and the, the sort of the start of, the new wave of the Black Lives Matter movement, because the Black Lives Matter movement's been around for many years, but um, post-George Floyd's murder, it really sort of lit up again. And there was a clip that went around from this episode of Blanche and Roland talking about um, the Confederate flag. And during that time, post the murder of George Floyd, there was a lot of conversations, there were a lot of conversations, I should say, about the Confederate flag. And this episode sort of personified a lot of the the convert or it 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 was emblematic of a lot of the conversations that I think America was having in 2020 and that they continue to have today. Yeah, um, yeah. This episode is so incredibly socially relevant. I I, I wasn't familiar with this funny. episode. I don't remember. That, it's also very say. funny. And I I want to say this up top that it what I love that the that Mark Sotkin and the the other creative team, Mark Cherry and everyone at the creative team behind the Golden Palace, Mitch, Mitch Hurwitz is involved with this too, right? I believe Golden so, Palace. yes. Yeah. Um, 
they maintain something from the Golden Girls into the Golden Palace that I think is so, so, so important in that there were lots of episodes of the Golden Girls that were very, that could be very special episodes, quote unquote. You know, the ones in sitcoms where, you know, uh, uh, whatever her name is on, on Saved by the Bell, she has the drug addiction or the mm -hmm. pills, the speed pills. Who was it? Jesse? Was it Jesse? Jesse. Yeah. And it becomes a very serious episode instead of maintaining the humor of the series. And the Golden Girls was really amazing at maintaining the humor during a serious episode. We're talking the AIDS episode of the Golden Girls, chronic fatigue syndrome, et cetera. The very serious episodes, but they still were very funny. And the creative team behind the Golden Palace maintained that with this episode. And this, I'm, I was so surprised watching this because I watched it twice back to back because I was so um, taken by it and how well orchestrated it was, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's a really great episode. I, I seriously, I wanted to pull every audio clip of every conversation that um, Blanche and Roland have. And the thing that I really loved about this episode was sort of Blanche's growth. Um, yeah. You know, there's this, you know, Blanche was brought up in the South and in this episode by, by learning what the Confederate flag means to Roland versus what it means to her, it's really forcing her to examine it through a different lens. Yeah. Um, you know, she's forced to re-examine her friends, her family, these experiences that she had all throughout her child and her life that she associates with positivity mm -hmm. and, and joy and love. Mm -hmm. And what Roland helps her do for the first time is see it through his lens and his perspective yeah. Um, as a black man, and it does eventually resonate with her. And, you know, there's a line, you know, and we'll get into the episode, but the line that really, really stuck with me at the end, she's, you know, she's saying, you know, what am I supposed to do with all of these, you know, what am I supposed to think about all my memories? Um, and she says, uh, oh, yeah, what am I supposed to think about all these people I love? What am I supposed to think about me? everything I grew up believing in, all of my memories are now tarnished by, and then it kind of hits her. And yeah. she says, by the truth. Yeah. And I, I just thought that that was such great writing and and such a great way to illustrate um, Rose, Rose uh, Blanche finally uh, listening to Roland and, and hearing him and understanding him. Just, that's really That's really the crux of it, isn't it? That and that was, I think, the the um, one of the takeaways from the horrible murder of George Floyd and the conversation around the Confederate flag is that we as white people should listen more, stop talking so much and recognize that, you know, we we benefit from privilege. And part of that privilege was being born into a, a, a world in which we benefit greatly and don't have to deal with certain things. And we should recognize that many other people don't have those privileges and we should take corrective steps to to make it an equal playing field because racism the job of ending racism is not on the backs of of people of color black people or people of color latin etc asian uh but it is our responsibility as white people to end racism because we created racism it is our fault it exists in the world so uh and and i think what i love about this episode is so often in sitcoms when you have these serious issues, serious episodes, which this isn't necessarily done like a serious episode, but it is a serious episode. Um, but the story is often 
only about the white person having a realization and you don't hear much from the other person. You don't hear much from, or not necessarily even always just a white person, the, the majority person. I'm thinking of the designing uh, women episode with that had the AIDS storyline about the gay man and someone not wanting to have the gay man in, in the process of the design thing or whatever. You didn't hear much from the gay man. Like you heard a lot from the straight white women, but you didn't hear much from the marginalized person who was suffering and who was the victim of a lot of the hate. And the same for um, a lot of episodes, you know, in sitcom, you can look at a lot of stuff. There's a lot of sort of, and when it comes to race issues, a lot of white savior things, storylines that happen where it's only the white person's revelation about their problems that, that matters. And you don't really hear much from the, from the black side of it. And in this episode, and we'll learn because we have a clip of Don Cheadle talking about this episode, which we'll play later. Um, but we learn that a lot of this story was dictated by, by Don and a lot of, and, and you hear a lot of sort of Roland's opinions and thoughts and experiences and, and in him sharing his own experiences with this flag and racism, we're able to learn and, and listen and understand more as an audience, which I think is so, so, so great and so revolutionary for 1992. Mm, I mean, 1992 exactly. wasn't, wasn't like a, a year where you know there was there was a lot of progress on television happening in the 90s a lot of progress i'm thinking rock i'm thinking family matters i'm thinking i'm and in a lot of ways i think there was a lot more representation on television in the 90s than there is today unfortunately but we this episode aired just after the the los angeles riots of 1992 um am i correct in that it, it i believe it aired about like six months later yeah, six months later six seven months and, later because it was April of 92 and this episode aired in December 92 December. and um, the Rodney King riots. I mean, it wasn't the Rodney King riots, it was the LA riots, but it, it was sort of inspired by a lot of different things that had happened. Uh, there was a murder of a young woman by a, a Koreatown um, clerk. Uh, I forget her name, but she, there was, there was, there was that incident. And then of course the Rodney King incident, there were lots of incidents that led to it, but the Rodney King incident was the big one that, that sort of led to everything. And, the verdict in April of these cops getting off for this horrible, horrible, brutal beating of Rodney King, which was videotaped, which was videotaped. And so the world was able to see it. And uh, it, it largely inspired these riots that happened in Los Angeles. And for this episode to come so shortly after that, I think was even more important because the Golden Girls audience we know is very diverse, is very there's lots of different people who enjoy the Golden Girls, but it still is a white sitcom. It's a white show. You look back on the Golden Girls and there weren't that many people of color on the Golden Girls. And and so there isn't many examples. There aren't many examples of people of color on the Golden Girls or even on the Golden Palace, with the exception of, you know, of course, Cheech and, and Don Cheadle. And and so I don't know. I think it's I think it's really telling that this episode aired when it did. And I think it's really amazing that it aired when it did. And and I think it shows a lot of growth you know, amongst these women who also aren't young, you know, and they're the audience that should be growing and learning and, 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 and evolving in a lot of ways, just like everyone should be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. And it is, it is amazing. It's, it is nice too, that it's older women who, you know, cause you could say that a lot of older people, I speak for like my mom, my dad, older people yeah. can be set in their ways. It's just the way they are. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad needs hearing aids. He refuses, he cannot hear, but he, he, he's like, I'm not old, but you're yeah. old. You're very old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the we other, have, I think, I'm sorry, we have <laughs> just to piggyback off our parents. We have 
there are so many, I mean, you and I bonded on this, that like there are so many moments where we hear our parents say things or do things where sometimes we have to be like, eh, maybe you shouldn't say that. And here's why, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a part of, but these women were a part of that and they listened. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like, you know, an another thing that people could take away from this episode, and it's more of a nuanced thing, but that, um, you know, inaction and mm. tolerance are part of the problem. And, yeah. and, and I think, you know, one thing we, you know, we heard a lot, um, you know, we've heard a lot over the last few years is the, the sentiment of being anti-racist. Um, and, and, and that for me was also, you know, a, a takeaway from, from the, the messaging of this episode. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, it's, and, and we should be upfront too, in that, you know, I, I mean, you and I are white and we watch this through our, our eyes and our backgrounds and our reactions are based on the lives in which we've led, which have been privileged lives. And yes, we also are part of minorities that are marginalized, but they're nothing compared to, to um, what black Americans have had to, or people of color in general in this country, but specifically for this episode's purposes, black Americans have had to experience. And so when we react to the episode, I think it's important to, for us to recognize that while we might be praising Blanche, I would want to know what Black Americans think of her response in this episode. Are, are is, is 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 the praise justified in in her coming around? I mean, because she was slow to come around. She didn't come around until twenty minutes in, and of course, that's a part of the story and the telling of the story and all of that. But um, you know, we should. We, I mean, I think it's important for us to be upfront in us watching this episode and how we watch this episode. And I would love to hear from fans, specifically Black fans, who what their reaction are to this, to this episode and to this storyline and to Blanche in this episode, because it is, it is, uh, it's interesting. And, and I think it's an important conversation and important stories to hear. And on that, do you think we should take a quick break and then dive into the episode? Let's dive into this great, 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 great episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of being back, like we're back from break, um, Oliver's back, kind of. For like a second. <laughs> yeah. In this episode, we I don't think we saw Oliver in the last episode. And then or the he showed last up. <laughs> yeah. he, he showed up and I was like, oh, great. Like Oliver's here. Um, and, you know, he just he's kind of going through the lobby and Rose yeah. asks him if he did his homework. And he totally did. But she wants to check it. 
And he's like, okay, well, it's on the electromagnetic pull of astral black holes and their effect on ultraviolet rays. <laughs> and Rose goes, uh-huh, well, this looks fine. And then he walks away and presumably also falls into a black hole because we don't see him for the rest of the episode. Yeah, he's just gone. I would love if somebody, I should have thought of this beforehand, but I would love if somebody rewatching the Golden Palace would just do, just keep a time code of first off how much how much um, Oliver is actually on screen in the Golden Palace, but then also how much screen time he shares with his legal guardian, Don Cheadle Roland. I want to see that because I have not seen them together except for maybe like three episodes in a scene. I, I feel like he spends more time with Sophia. Yeah. Doing Which some I, shenanigans. I get, I get it. It's very sort of like Harold and Maude moment. I get that. That's funny. But he has a parent. Wait. Wait a second. Did what? you just compare Oliver and Sophia to Harold and Maude? A little bit. <laughs> who are in a romantic relationship. Well, I mean, but it's sort of like a trope. You know what I mean? Like the young, old sort of shenanigan craziness. It's not so much the romantic. Although, you know, I'm not going to judge. All right. This is going to have to be another was Blanche trying to sleep with George Clooney <laughs> argument because I in no way look at Sophia and Oliver and go, oh, I don't, I don't think of Harold and real Harold and Maude. I mean, I know what you mean. Yes, it's romantic. No, Harold and Maude are in love. I know, but it's not. It's like it's it's sort of it's become bigger than that over time. It's like I don't I, I don't see it as like them being in love. I just see like as a, a, a sort of a, a different type of relationship you know what i mean like you 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 pit these two characters together that shouldn't be together and it creates funny things good things and that's harold and maude you know kid old person go on a trip <laughs> oh, wow you're blowing my mind right now okay so we're not going to spend this entire episode talking about oliver and sophia <laughs> um so Blanche is hosting the Daughters of the Traditional South at the hotel, and she wants everything to be perfect for these women. I think is, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, it's probably because they couldn't say, there is an actual group called Daughters of the American, wait, Daughters, us, the Daughters of the American Revolution. But there is like a, a group that's like this as well. And I forget mm -hmm. what it's called now. But So this yes. was kind of like a sound alike name? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so Sophia was supposed to put a mint on every pillow, uh, in these women's rooms, which is such like an old school hotel thing, like the mint yeah. on the pillow, but instead yeah. she put a Fina mint on every pillow. And I had to look up what Fina mint yeah, was. I, did I didn't I, know. Yeah. So it's a laxative gum. Yeah. Which like, did you know that? I mean, yes, I did. I looked it up. Okay. I, I was, I was. Why is there a need for that? Like, I mean, a laxative, you could just like take a, why a gum? Like, why a gum? Maybe when Phenomint came around, it was like during the gum craze where everybody, you know, like you used to see, there was I, gum do you craze. see, do you see gum commercials anymore? No. Did you, you used to see commercials? commercials? <laughs> well, yeah, all the time. Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but like double mint gum. Um, the zebra striped gum. I see commercials for gum all the time. I used to work in advertising. My my illustrators used to have to draw print ads, mock print ads for gum, for trident layered gum. Gum was big. I feel like the gum industry is really taking a dive, but so maybe that's what it was. It was just like, you love chewing gum. 
choose our laxative because you can chew gum versus drinking some stuff or taking a I mean, pill. That is a funny setup for like an accident. Like, mm, I have bad breath. Yeah, you don't want to take a laxative if you don't need a laxative. No, no, man. That's that just common ruin, sense. That could ruin your day. So anyway, once she, we discover that um, she put a phenomint on every pillow, <laughs> Sophia goes, oh, well, I guess around 2 a.m. the South will rise again. Um, <laughs> Which I mean is... I, you know, I relate to so many different things in this episode because you're from Massachusetts, so I don't know how much confederate confederacy confederate flag southern lingo you had in your childhood I, I'm, I'm guessing not much not much but i did go to college in georgia where yes. i would go to the beach and see like teenage girls wearing confederate flag bikinis and it yes. was so upsetting and i was like what are they doing but and like for them it was like southern pride the same as blanche you know what i mean it was yeah. Imagine very being, upsetting to see being a kid. So I'm from Missouri and most of my family lives in Southern Missouri and, and Southern and sort of, you know, Western Missouri. And, but Southern Missouri is, um, is, is, is just a lot of Confederate flag stickers on cars and like different things. And I remember distinctly as a kid seeing it, not knowing anything. I had no idea what it meant uh, for years. I was like, is that just sort of a weird take on the American flag? Like I didn't know. And my parents didn't teach me because, well, because of privilege, I was very privileged and I, it didn't matter to me. It didn't mean anything to me. You know, I didn't know what it meant. And then it was, I remember distinctly, I went, I was a foreign exchange student in high school. And um, of course I was learning about the American South. So I knew about the Confederate flag at that point. But we, the, the foreign exchange students came to Missouri and we took a trip to Branson, Missouri, which is like in sort of the middle Ozarks area of Missouri. And we went to Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede where they reenact the fighting of the North and the South and the Germans that were in with me, it was sort of like a medieval knights type place. You know what I mean? Where like you eat with your hands and it's like a whole, like it's like a dinner theater thing. And the Germans were so confused. They were, and, and it really opened my eyes too, because they had no idea why you would want to recreate that why you would want to celebrate the South in that, in that, that, that part of the South, not celebrate the South. You can celebrate your heritage in a non-racist way, of course, but in, in celebrating sort of people who wanted to keep people as slaves, like that's what they saw it as. And it just felt very strange to them that the South would win and that Dolly Parton would be connected to it. And it was like a whole sort of like mindfuck for them to understand like why is this entertainment and why are we here and why are we watching this and it really hit me being like you're right and i don't get this this is so fucked up of us and then my my german foreign exchange student said that would be like us recreating like the uk fighting the nazis like we would never have a dinner theater for that we would never have that as a dinner theater show like that's ridiculous and they're so right so like Hearing these things, hearing these dialogue, like the little things of the South who arise again and stuff, it it hits me, I think, differently because it is so a part of it's the things that I heard and didn't understand as a kid. And now as an adult, I understand and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's fucked up, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, so the 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 daughters of the traditional South are coming. 
um, to the hotel. And yeah, Blanche is going out of her way for them. She puts up a sign and everything that says like, welcome. Um, Meanwhile, Rose and Blanche are checking in a man and a woman under the name Smith. And Rose- The guy who plays him, I immediately thought, I was like, is that the guy who beat Rose or who, who- who grabbed Dorothy inappropriately when he was dating Blanche and he was being a bit too aggressive and mean, but it turns out he's no, not the same actor, no, but he seems like actor. the same actor to me. And I was really excited for a moment. Uh, but he's not at all. He was, I do enjoy he, seeing actors that are on the golden girls that are then on the golden palace. Yes. But this is not a case of that. Um, so Rose recognizes this man and, um, you know, and he's checking in as Smith, which, you know, because I believe like at some point it was like the most common last name in the country. I feel like I saw that on like, a, it was like a Jeopardy question when I was a kid. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, if you're going to give a phony name, you know, to a hotel, you might give the name Smith. Yeah. And, um, and Rose says to Blanche, their exchange was so funny here. Uh, yeah. Rose is like, he told me his name was Smith. Do you know what that means? And Blanche goes, yes, the room's going to be available in a couple of hours. And um, and then Rose is like, look, I know that man. I used to work with his wife. There's sin going on in our hotel. And Blanche goes, Rose, I'm sorry, but that is one glass house. I really don't feel qualified to throw stones at. <laughs> so and true. while she's saying this, I love the business of Blanche sorting through the mail during this yeah. conversation. Um, I also... I was surprised because I was like, you know, Rose, She we know she worked at the TV station. Before that, she worked at the, the Grief Center. But it's been a while since she's worked at either of those places. Like, yeah. how does she know that that man and his wife didn't get divorced? Well, I mean, sure. But if, if, if you know that the person's name isn't Smith and the wife isn't there, right, right. the likelihood is, and that's this is another testament that Rose is actually smarter than we let on because she put two and two together and figured out something fishy's up here. There's some jumping in the sheets, that inappropriate sheets that's happening here. You know, if Blanche cared, she could have used the power of her loins to figure it out because mm-hmm. they talk to her and they tell her when there's adultery going on. That's true. That's yeah. true. Her sure. loins can speak. Yeah. Um, but that also brings up that we Rose, we know is still, I mean, she just found out that miles is cheating on her. So like just a few episodes ago. So like, this is still raw for her. I bet she's very sensitive to this. You know, that actually, because that's a really interesting point because later we find out that Rose cares so much about this because of essentially cows, it's cows. And I was like, oh, it's a very funny story in this, you know, this, and they went for the humor, but like, if they did want to make, you know, Rose's reasoning, a a reveal of like, you know, why do you care so much? If she were to say, because I know how I felt when Miles cheated on me, yeah, like that would have, you know, because it also would have been way too heavy for an episode that already has a very heavy, other storyline agreed agreed absolutely it just would have yeah for a different episode if they had done this story it would have been really interesting for rose didn't need to be in this episode this storyline did not need to be in this episode well i think the reason the storyline was in this episode was because um and it's actually it's 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 coming up um where uh so after that man um checks in 
um, Roland comes in and Rose explains the situation. And he's like, we're in the hotel business. It's not up to us to make moral judgments about the people staying at the hotel. Um, And because that's what Blanche sort of uses against him. Like you just said, we're not here to make moral judgments. Um, So he comes in and he says that. And then he sees the sign welcoming the daughters of the traditional South. And he goes, those bigots and bonnets aren't staying in this hotel. I mean, I literally laughed out loud. Yeah, it was, it was so perfect. It is so funny. It was such a good and it was such a good turn in his attitude. Yeah. Um, and and, and later on in the episode, too, he does explain that there is a large difference between the systematic oppression of a whole group of people and someone just having an affair. It's they're they're It's they're not comparable. At all. Right. Right. He does say that. Um yeah. And, and Blanche is like, look, 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 those women aren't like that. They're just yeah. harmless little old ladies who wear white gloves and drink tea. And then she's like, besides, you know, as Roland said, this is a business. They're not here to pass moral judgment. So Roland's like. Also, that also brings up a really interesting conversation that we've had on my the other podcast that I do, You're Making mm-hmm. It Worse, where there are a lot of instances of you know, businesses denying queer people, especially within marriage stuff, Mm -hmm. businesses denying, you know, uh, wedding services or cakes or whatever. And, and it's, it does bring up a really interesting conversation of like, how do you do business with people you despise and are, think are morally sort of like very wrong for what they're doing? Like it's a, it's a, it's an interesting conversation that, that I don't think we should necessarily have today, but I think it's, it's worthy of bringing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, Roland is like, you know, like I said, Blanche points out, as you just said, this is a business. We're not here to pass moral judgment. So he's like, fine, they can stay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so then <laughs> the Smiths, um, they're <laughs> enjoying lunch in the dining room and like Rose is like, like she's, be- she's so, she's becoming, She's it's really getting to her. She's like becoming obsessed with the fact that this couple is staying here. And um, she literally says, "Burn in the he- burn in hell for the rest of your lives." Like <laughs> I've never heard Rose say something that dark, with the exception of maybe that one time she pet the cat too hard. Like <laughs> that is so dark. Yeah, she. Um, yeah, they, they ask like for like a wine recommendation, and she's like, "Yeah, I have a lovely Chardonnay that's nice before you burn in hell for the rest of your lives." I can't. Um, it's yeah, she's she is not gonna let this couple enjoy their weekend together. No. Um, so Roland pulls her aside, and he has a funny line. He's like, "Rose, honey, as a general rule, don't damn the guests." Um. <laughs> And so, and so this is where we get to the core of like, why this is upsetting Rose so much. And she tells him a story about a couple she knew from St. Olaf. They were cows, naturally. Of course. And no sooner had Tim, the cow, put the ring in his nose when he was found cheating on Betsy with another floozy of a cow. And the look on Betsy's face when she found out what was going on, Rose never wants to experience that again. And- my favorite thing about this story is how like a cow wedding isn't the most ridiculous part. Yeah. It's yeah. that when Betsy, a cow, realized her new husband, also uh-huh. a cow, was cheating on her, 
she understood what cheating meant, fidelity, and like was able to emote accordingly to the point where it affected Rose. That is to me is the most incredible thing. It is really funny. We haven't had um, a lot, many Rose stories in the series thus far. I mean, there's been a few, a handful, but, but not at the amount that I feel like I felt like there was on the Golden Girls. You know what I mean? Well, we get two in this episode. I know, which I was, I'm so like, maybe they've just been saving them up. Yeah. And it's so great because at the end of the story and, you know, Roland is now the victim of, you know, there are always victims to Rose's St. Olaf stories and he is now a victim. And Sophia, she's like carrying a tray out of the kitchen and she goes, not so cute when she's telling the cow story, is she? It was very funny. (laughs) Um, And then Roland um, tells Rose that she needs to keep the, you know, Rose, you got to keep those feelings to yourself. And then Um, Rose has to compare it compare what Roland is saying about the daughters of the traditional South to mm-hmm. the issue that she's, which I think is also very interesting because in this situation, Rose is kind of playing well, the quote unquote Karen in, in sort of modern speak, if you will, where she's trying to equate something that isn't necessarily the same as what the, the large issue that Roland is talking about, even though, in Rose's eyes, it is equal in measure. It's it's the same because Rose, again, this comes down to like the whole privilege thing. Rose has has lived a life of privilege where her feelings are valid and always supported, and her issues, her point of view is always taken. And so she she sort of tries to equate the issue, and it's just not the same. It's just not the same. And I think that we should actually play a little bit of that scene because yeah. um, there's really great comedic timing with so uh, with Blanche in this moment. Rose, I have a suggestion. You have to learn to keep your feelings about the hotel guests to yourself. No, I'm sorry, but I don't see any difference in my thinking this thing with the Smiths is wrong and you thinking Blanche letting the daughters of the traditional South stay here is wrong. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You are equating two people fooling around, having a good time, with someone showing complete disregard for an entire race of people. Blanche isn't like that. You don't know her. Sure, she may come from the old South, but she's a very modern thinker. And I wish I was in Dixie, away, away. In Dixieland, I'd take my stand and live and die in Dixie, away, away. So for those who, you know, for whatever uh, whatever reason, if you're unable to watch the episode, when Blanche comes in singing, she's dressed in the sort of, you know, Scarlet O'Hara, Gone with the Wind, Victorian style, big boots. hoop dress. Oh, I mean, she- Her hair is all curly. And she has extensions in too. No, it's not even just her hair is curly. She has a, like an extension in her hair. It's oh. so, it's so, yeah. That's right, because her hair's not that long, right? Exactly. It's sort of mm-hmm. like to give her sort of like a pulled back sort of look. I mean, the dress is a symbol of the American South that is not necessarily the most pleasant image, but she looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Those boobs. I mean, Blanche. They're up. This is the era of Rue McClanahan being a milf. Mm-hmm. She was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. was gorgeous. But like, this was peak Rue McClanahan. So, um, so then, uh, Roland, uh, goes out into the lobby to find, this is where he finds Blanche hanging a Confederate flag at the front desk. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you're not hanging that flag up here. And she's like, oh, come on, you know, things aren't like that anymore. And the, the women haven't yet entered the hotel. Um, so like there's time to take it down. 
Um, and he's like, Roland's like, do you know what this flag represents? And for Blanche, as we hear her say, it represents her family's history. Um, and there is actually a funny moment here with Blanche. So we're going to play a quick moment of her because it's, 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 you know, it's Blanche lost in a sexual fantasy. Oh, wait, wait up. You're not hanging that flag in here. Well, of course I am. Blanche, do you know what this flag represents? This flag belonged to big, big granddaddy Hollinsworth. He used to bring it to all our fine old Southern family picnics where all the cousins would gather. Everybody was courteous and mannerly, and gentlemen would ask ladies for the favor of a dance. And Cousin Rex would be home on vacation from Colonel Bob's school for bad boys. <laughs> He'd ask me for the favor other than the dancing favor. And we'd... <sighs> it's a grand old flag. Fantasy is just it's a grand old flag, except it's, it's her cousin. Ew. I mean, it is, and it's also about a disgusting flag, but it's like it's you can still enjoy Blanche being lost in a sexual fantasy. <laughs> right. But Roland calls her out on it and he's like, Oh, yeah. so this is fun for you. And she's like, Well, yeah. no. And then he, you know, compares it to he's like, you know, what if we were to hang a Nazi flag and you were to dress up as Ava Braun? And she's yeah. like, hey, that's not the same thing. This isn't the Nazi flag. And he's like, well, it is to me, Blanche. And she says to him, she's like, look, that's ancient history and you know it. Things aren't like that anymore. And you can see Rose and Blanche just sort of keep like making excuses. Like, oh, you know, she's but she's a very modern thinker. Things aren't like that anymore. There's no confederacy. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and they're not actually listening to what he's saying. And it's, and, the, and it's those excuses, I think, over many, many years, but particularly since the civil rights movement of the 1950s where, you know, white people have come around and there there has been progress made, but not the levels that should be made, where white people just sort of excused certain behavior or certain things or said, well, you know, she's not really like that. It's just that there's right. this one thing and it's like we we as white people have excused a lot of those things and this scene is sort of emblematic of that over the past however many years. And I'm really glad that they had it. I'm really glad that they they showed the women sort of being a part of that, being a part of the system of sort of just normalizing these things that we should normalize because Roland's right. It's a Nazi flag. It's a hate flag. Yeah. And, and so the women show up and, you know, Blanche is like, you know, OK, are we going to check them in or not? And I don't love that, Ro that Blanche like puts the decision on Roland, like right yeah. on the spot. Um, but she does. Very and he's impressive. like, yeah. he's like, okay, fine. But as soon as they're checked in, I want this flag gone. Perfectly reasonable request. And it's, and it's, well, it's also horrible that, that Roland is put in this position. I think Roland, I think Roland could have in, in a very sort of real world situation. I think Roland could have agreed with the argument of you're right. Anybody should be allowed to stay here. Fine. That's fine. And come in. But that said, you don't need to go out of your way to support the 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 sort of sick thoughts or maybe the the things that you disagree with of your guests you don't need to amplify that you can just allow them to be guests and then leave it alone and mm -hmm. don't 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 roll out a red carpet for them and put up all of the stuff like just let them be and you stay on your side I did think it was kind of funny. Well, for so when so when Blanche welcomes them, and it's very funny because she goes, "Welcome, ladies, to the Golden Palace. Please don't eat the mints." Um, 
which is really funny. It is funny. Like she's hanging up a flag. She's getting dressed up. She's putting up a sign. Um, 10 women maybe show up. Yeah. It's for 10 people. I'm like, oh, I thought maybe it was going to be like a convention. Like that would be the Waldorf. Like if the Waldorf Astoria put out a giant inflatable penis at the front desk for like a bachelorette party. <laughs> like it's not a convention. It's a, yeah, it's, it's just not, it's not it's, big enough. And if it was a con- even that, if it is a convention, even then, I guess a hotel could be like, no, we don't want a convention like that here. And they do have the discretion to say no to it. I mean, but the the, the crux in this one is that they need the business. They desperately need the business. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they're there. Or at least that's the argument. I don't know. It's, yeah, this it's is, it was just funny. I was just expecting more women. Um, so meanwhile, Rose, poor Rose, <laughs> she's... Yeah so tortured by this um she's been calling up to the smith's room every few minutes to try to keep them from rolling around and sophia's like try calling up in a german accent like i did to dorothy and stan on their honeymoon and she's like (laughs) she's like your strudel is ready but like why a german accent why did sophia do that on dorothy and stan's honeymoon like did they honeymoon in germany i mean i guess they would have gotten married around that time right I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess they would have. I'm in mid forties, I suppose. Is um, is the idea that a German accent is just like at least when well, Rose it's uses very it? Scary. It's very scary, and yeah. even to this day, like it's it's. I think the the impression of a German accent is, although as someone who speaks German, who has studied in Germany, I think the German accent is lovely. I love the way they can't pronounce wise. It's, 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 it's just, it's beautiful, but, uh, it's, I, it is considered a very harsh language. Can I, can I put you on the spot and ask you to. Oh, no, I don't want to. Wait, what do you want me to do though? You can say anything. Oh. And I'll say something back to you. Uh, hello, wie geht's dir? 99. I learned the German version of 99 Red Balloons. Yes, I, can, I hear that. Hear it's hear bad, that. though. I'm so sorry oh, to anybody. Who hello, German. how are you? But I love that. It was really bad. Oh, yeah. I grew up, I mean, my father's German and my, my grandfather's German and all of them are German. So they all spoke German when we were kids. And I didn't have to necessarily speak German to them, but I had to understand them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then, of course, I would go over to Germany a lot and travel and stuff and go to school there. So I, I, I can still speak it in an okay way, but I understand it very well. But it is it is considered a very harsh language. And I think the reputation of Nazi Germany has made the language seem even more harsh because we hear you know old these old scary videos of hitler giving speeches and it sounds like he's hawking up and doing crazy things and he's just very intimidating and so i think the accent now has been tainted because of that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is why the joke works i mean even though i guess you are making fun of a whole population of people when you do that but what i will say about germans are they're very accepting to being made fun of because they realize that they did something very, very bad. So it's, 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 you know. I did enjoy the way that yeah. Betty White said your strudel is ready. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so then another, a couple comes up to the um, desk to check in. Um, they're under Mr. 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 and Mrs. Smith. Um, yeah. He's a little bit older. She's a little bit younger. 
And Rose is like, oh, I see what's going on here. Mr. Old enough to be her father, Smith. And Mrs. This sure beats it doing it on the floor of the office, Smith. (laughs) And Roland overhears this and he runs over to her and he's like, okay, first of all, Rose, you can kiss employee of the month goodbye. And she goes, again? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he's like, these really are the Smiths. Um, So she's now, I mean, Rose is looking out for anybody committing adultery yeah um and it's a very common last name um it is <laughs> yeah so while roland is over there um he notices that the flag is still hanging there and yeah. rose is like oh i guess she forgot to take it down so he goes to take it down and blanche comes out and she's like hey what are you doing like And Roland has to explain to her, this is where he starts getting a little bit more explicit in like the meaning behind the flag. He's like, you know, this flag isn't about, you know, college football games or fried chicken. Like it's about colleges that won't let me in, companies that won't hire me, crosses being burned on people's lawns today, like not deep in the past, but happening now in the North, in the South. And that, even that doesn't get through to Blanche. For her, yeah. it's just about wonderful family memories, and she doesn't know what the big deal is. And Roland's like, he's had it. He's mm-hmm. He's been trying to explain to her what this flag means to him, and yeah. she's just not listening. So he quits. He's like, well, I can't work for anyone who feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we sort of take a little break from this story to go back to Rose. Um, the women are all sitting around. They're sort of having their cheesecake minus the cheesecake around the kitchen table. And yeah. Rose wants the hotel to adopt a rule where people can't commit adultery. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you prove that? How are you, you going to, like, uh, like enforce that even? Mm-hmm. So then, so Blanche is like, oh, come on, Rose. You've never had a little fun in a hotel room. And it's like, I don't love the way that Blanche was talking about like, what, like you've never cheated on your husband. Um, But there is a wild Rose story. This was, I mean, we know Rose and Charlie have done some like weird things. And this one I love because they are, they're freaky. I love it. They've got like weird, I love it. They're freaky. I love it. They would have been Um, on an episode of HBO's Real Sex. They're that freaky. They're that freaky. Um, So Rose admits like, okay, once she found herself in a hotel bed with another man other than Charlie, but it was an accident. So Charlie (laughs) and Rose used to go to the St. Olaf Hotel to spice things up like once a week. And they would dress up like their favorite I think she said once a week. Maybe not. Just maybe like, it was just once every once in a while. Things up. I think maybe it was every once in a while. Okay. Um, and they would dress up like their favorite storybook characters. And one night he went into the bathroom to put on the Big Bad Wolf costume. Rose turned out the lights, oh. which they make fun of her. They're like, why would you get dressed up to turn out the lights? She's like, okay, now I feel stupid. <laughs> and they wanted to order room service, but the St. Olaf Hotel didn't have it. They only had dumb waiters. And then this was my favorite favorite joke of the entire episode so chewy goes wait a minute rose are we talking about a little elevator dumb waiter or just a guy who was a dumb waiter and rose goes a little elevator but the guy who got off it wasn't that bright either and <laughs> just as a tv comedy writer yeah it's amazing because the obvious joke the obvious joke is that and it would it, it would still be a funny joke? Is that Rose says dumb waiter and everyone thinks she means a little elevator, but she means a dim witted waiter. Yeah. But the writers took that joke and they elevate it by going, no, no, 
that's not where this joke is going. JK, LOL, it's totally where the joke is going. <laughs> and it, I, I just, I thought it was such, again, just as a TV writer, I thought it was the, a very, 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 very clever joke. Yeah. Um, it was great. I, I was it. actually hoping in this moment to have more of a Sophia Rose trying to get Blanche to come to her senses. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like in this moment, it could have been a great opportunity to have a Sophia. Like when with when Blanche had um, her brother, she was torn about her brother wanting to get married or mm -hmm. have a ceremony with his partner. And Sophia just laid it out saying, do you love him? Do you want him to be happy? Do you want him to have a family? Like she just laid it out. And I think in this situation, Sophia could have been served as a catalyst for Blanche's understanding a little bit more than they, I, I just feel like there was a missed opportunity. They could have used Sophia in this situation. It's, it's interesting. I think maybe they were trying to balance the yeah. humor with the more poignant moments. Um, uh, you know, but I, but I do think that she did need to have that final conversation with Roland, which yes. we are going to play that whole clip. Um, you know, could she have used someone to say, you know, you're not listening to him and yeah. you really need to listen to him to then, uh, you know, propel Blanche to go find Roland instead yeah. of, I think Roland um, shows up to like collect his things. And yeah. that's when Blanche has a conversation with him. But, you know, it would have been a nice gesture, yes, for her to go to Roland. And it also would have um, been very appropriate for like, you know, like I'm thinking of like even conversations I've had with my parents where, my dad will be, my stepdad, I mean, will be talking about like a coworker and he'll, he'll say, you know, black guy, or he'll like say the race of the person as if it's relevant to the story he's talking about when it's never relevant. And mm -hmm. I distinctly remember years ago having a conversation being like, well, you don't need to do that. I mean, it's not a descriptor that is necessary for the story. Like, and that way you're just, you're identifying his race just for what? Just because it's different and that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of those kind of like conversations that we have with people we love who perhaps need to grow a little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but before we get to the, um, the, the, the wrapping up of, of the Blanche and Roland, um, I just want to get to the end of the Rose story because <laughs> so, because it is, it's a very long story as are her stories. Um, so the dumb waiter um, saw Rose in bed and he crawled in and she thought it was Charlie, which this is not okay. She no. did not consent. Like this is giving me real um, like revenge of the nerd vibes. Um, but they go through the whole, like what big eyes you have, you know, rigmarole. And then Charlie comes out of the bathroom and goes, who's that sleeping in my bed? And Rose was so confused because Charlie's looking for Goldilocks. And here they were doing Red Riding Hood. And then Sophia's got a great line to button it. She goes, don't take me now, Lord. Don't let this be the last story I ever hear. <laughs> um, so, so, so Rose and, and Rose is still again, like, she is, she wants to ruin the Smith's experience and she now takes it. She was being passive aggressive at lunch. She now was she's calling up to the room. Aggressive. Like she breaks into their, their room, room with the key and she gets into bed with them. Like, did she learn nothing from her own story moments earlier? Like you, you do not just get into somebody's bed without their I mean, consent. We, we find out because the couple goes downstairs and Rose mm -hmm. is running after them that she was trying to sing. 
she was singing hymns to them in all I, literally as soon as as soon as the character said she was singing hymns all i heard was over there over there <laughs> like that's all i heard oh see i heard the all the songs we used to have to sing in church on sundays um that i would just like <sighs> through um but uh but anyway so it, it turns out you know he is cheating on his wife and yeah. Rose calls him out on it. And he's like, look, you know, my wife is none of your business, but out this relationship I have is very special. Stop trying to cheapen it. And then like the button of the story is like, he doesn't know her name, the name uh, of the woman he's been spending the whole weekend with, which yes. like, um, so blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So Roland, um, he's now dressed in casual clothes. I think, well, not for the first time we've seen him in casual clothes before, but he, it looks like he's like coming he's to collect his things. In boxers before, <laughs> so I'm just saying we have seen him in casual attire before. Have we I seen did... him playing volleyball yet? Have we gotten to that episode? I do not believe so, but okay. I believe that is the episode because I know. Actually, I know because so many fans have of the podcast have messaged me, being like, "The VPL happens," and if you need to. Google what VPL is, please do, because I don't think I should say it. I had to, because I thought for, I was like Lisa Vanderpump. Yes. Yeah. No, no. The VPL exists in the volleyball episode. OMG, I'm so excited. I think it's not the next one, but I think it's coming soon. You have no idea how excited I am for this moment. I'm going to play music. I'm going to have to excuse myself. I am so excited for Roland's Roland. I cannot I'm not kidding. Wait. I'm I'm not kidding. <laughs> you need to press that button more because you're only pressing it now when I prompt I know, you. No, I know, I know. I need prompts for these things. I'm not like that. Ugh. You gotta be like a radio DJ. Um I'm so Roland's deck. So Roland overhears this conversation and he tells Rose, he's like, Look, you did the right thing. Sometimes what you believe is more important than business. Yeah. And now Roland and Blanche have an exchange and this is the clip that went viral that everybody's talking about. So we're just going to play it in full. Business. Although what some people believe is unbelievable. Now, Roland, I am not some kind of bigot because I love this flag and I resent that implication. You just stop that right now. Oh, yes, ma'am, Miss Devereaux. <laughs> oh, Roland don't want to cause you no trouble at all. <laughs> you hold on to that one. He's a good one. What did you say? He's a good one. Roland, wait. Hey, Roland, I don't feel like that woman in there. I don't feel that way at all. But can't you see, Blanche, that flag ties what you believe and what she believes together. Look, I'm telling you, the legacy of that flag is alive every time I walk down the street with a group of my friends and I see a white person cross over to the other side because they're afraid. Or look, when I'm in the elevator with somebody like you and you're all huddled over in the corner wondering what I'm going to do, sometimes I just want to go, ah, yeah. oh. <laughs> just to break the tension. So please don't tell me about that flag. I've battled that flag all my life. Look, Roland, I'm sorry. I am sorry for everything you have been through. But what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to think about all my family, all my friends? All right. When I was in school, maybe I was a little less sensitive than I could have been. But... <laughs> Yeah, but I was just doing what all my friends were doing. They were my friends. And we were just acting like everybody we knew acted. Oh. And then that, when I had my first baby, well, the hospital was packed, and, uh, and I had to share a room with a young black woman. 
George made a big stink about the accommodation she had to have hurt him. I know her baby was every bit as cute as mine. Cuter, in fact. Rebecca was an ugly baby. <laughs> Turned out fine. Ugly baby. You can get an idea of how she looked if you catch Sophia some morning with her teeth out. The point is, what am I supposed to do and think about my family now? What am I supposed to, to think about all those people I love? What am I supposed to think about me? Everything I grew up believing in, all my wonderful memories, that they're, they're all tarnished now by... Oh, God. <laughs> by the truth. I owe you an apology. No, you don't owe me that. Will you stay? Blanche, you really have to start listening to me when I tell you something is bothering me. And I'll try to understand why some of these things mean so much to you. Look, the whole world is messed up right now, and I would like to see that get better, but in order for that to happen, white people are gonna have to start making positive assumptions when they see people of color. And People of color could make positive assumptions when they see white people. Man, things are just messed up. Blanche, let's just try and get rid of all the barriers and just trust each other, okay? Right on. It's, I mean, it's such a great, I mean, for, for I think for us, it is emblematic of many conversations that need to ha be happening more um, amongst white people. But like we said, at the, like I said at the beginning of the episode, um, I am eager to see or to hear what, uh, you know, non-white people's reactions are to this and to this storyline and to Blanche and this whole moment in the episode. Because, you know, like I said, in history and entertainment history, we have a, we have a sort of a way of, championing the white person who finally comes around and it's like well maybe we should champion the person who's been telling the white person all along that they should be better mm -hmm. you know like that mm -hmm. should be the person we champion yeah um but i but i do think it's great and i and i love that 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 um and as we'll hear i guess in this so and there's there was a clip don Cheadle gave an interview about this or not about this episode but he was asked about this moment because he was giving some interview for some film i forget what it was but uh, the the interviewer, you know who it is. Uh, yeah, so he was on the Jess Cagle show on Sirius XM, and this was back in July of 2020. And he was asked um, about this scene because it was going viral in the moment because of the conversations that we talked about that were hap that were happening then. And it's such a beautiful response, and it shows so much of of how great in crafting this episode the writers were in including Don Cheadle in this conversation. So let's just play that clip. Well, you know, to the writer's credit, and these are writers that all went on to do, you know, big things in the space, like yeah. Jim Ballade and, you know, Mitchell Horowitz and Mark Cherry. Everybody went on to, like, continue to do what they were doing. And that was the breeding ground for them, Golden Girls and Golden Palace. So they've always wanted to stick their nose in stuff and, you know, dip their toe into areas that were uncomfortable and tricky for people to deal with. And I think, you know, once they cast me in that role, they saw it as Tony Todd. Everybody, they saw it as an opportunity to, like, really like talk about this stuff and, and bring some of these things to the fore. And I was glad that they, you know, allowed me to, they, it wasn't just, you know, force fed to me. They're like, what's, tell me what the conversation is. How should we talk about this? 
what are the ways that we should bring this up? And yeah, it's really interesting because it did kind of take off. Somebody just tweeted something to me and said, kind of like, did you know you did this? I'm like, yeah, I was, I was there. <laughs> I was there at the time. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, like we said, these, these things are cyclical. They don't necessarily ever go away. This isn't a conversation that we weren't having. Um, maybe it hadn't reached, as you say, the level of being a network sitcom and, and, and a national conversation like that as we see it now. Also, there was no social media at that time. So things proliferate at a rate that's uh, uh, much uh, more advanced than it, it would have been at that time. Even if it's something that everyone saw at, you know, Thursday night at eight o'clock, it's not like there were many forums to continue that conversation. So right. now that it's out there in that way, it's just sort of catches fire. Like you say, it goes viral and everybody talks about it, but it's, it's not a new conversation and it's not for sure. It's not something that a lot of communities haven't been talking about forever. You know, we've never, black people have never had a comfortable relationship with that flag and people that live in those States where that's the state flag have never had a comfortable relationship with that flag. So it was something that, like I said, is, was, was there, but yeah, to have it find its way into a sitcom and to have us have that kind of discussion, I think was really, was really, was really great to do. And it was, as it was, as it is now, even then, I think it was, the response was really, people were really glad that it was out there. I just think that, 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 you know, what, what Don said there was so perfect because it, it was early in his career. They didn't have to include him in that. He wasn't a name. He was still a very young sort of actor getting started in, in Hollywood. And and they included his experience because, I mean, he he was the rare only black person in, a, in the cast. And and that's not necessarily, I think, the best position to be in. I, I, I wouldn't know because you and I are rarely in situations where we're the only white person. And... Mm -hmm. And so I can't imagine what it must be like going to work on a, on a massive show and being the only one of something. And, uh, and I love that Don shared those memories and that he was complimentary of how they handled this episode and how it was so early. I mean, it was so long ago before the conversation that happened in 2020. So I love that um, the Golden Girls are on the right side of history in, in that respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we talk about the tag of this yes, episode? Yes, we should, because we have to end on a fun note. So this tag, while watching it, so how the tag works is Rose is checking in another person who's checking into the hotel, and he says his last name is Smith, and she gets very confused, and then it's revealed that it's a, it's a queer couple who is just checking into the hotel, and Rose doesn't get that they're a, 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 a gay male couple or a queer male, male couple. And and so she's just sort of like, oh, well, well, thank you. You have no idea the people that check into the hotels. And this this couple, it's a larger man and a, and, a, and like a thinner man. And what I love about it is, even though the joke does rest on their sexuality, which I don't love, I don't love that part of it. But if I was a kid and I had seen that on television, I would be like, because I was a fat kid and I I'm a fat adult and I. I would look at that and be like, this is kind of cool that I'm seeing this, that sure it's the butt of a joke and it's the tag of a show and they're not characters in the show and all of these things. But I just love that it's included because it would make me feel okay about things and maybe my future. And like, it just, it made me feel good seeing it, even though I know 
it's reductive. I still like that it's there. You know what I mean? It's a weird, mm-hmm. it's a weird balance I have in my head where like I applaud it, but I also know that it's like not something that is like progressive really at all, but it's still great. I like that it's there. I don't know. I'm very torn on it, but I loved it. It's okay to have complicated feelings about things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that it's there and I laughed. I genuinely laughed because I thought it was really funny because of course Rose wouldn't pick up on that at all. And I love mm-hmm. that she couldn't. And I love that those two were were able, felt felt comfortable enough in the presence of Rose to walk hand in hand. I, that's what I was that's what I was thinking. I love that they walked away holding hands. I hope they fucked all night long. I hope I hope there was like knocking on the, the, the doors and Roland was like, what's that? And maybe Roland even wanted to join in. Like, I hope they had a great time in that hotel room and made a mess. I love that you just like in your fantasy, you just got lost <laughs> in a blanche sexual moment because oh, now Roland's there. <laughs> That wasn't in the episode. Um, Should we take a quick break and come back and do our golden takeaways? Yes, we should. (laughs) Let's leave now. Okay, we're back with a golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this episode? So my golden takeaway is a book recommendation. Uh, It's a New York Times bestseller. It's called So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Aluo. And it's a book I got a couple years ago. Um, It it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, It's you know, oh, my dog just escaped. Okay, I'll get him in a second. He's supposed to be in a crate. He hurt his back. Um, uh, you know, the book covers like things like why it's important to talk about race, you know, the history of the formation of the police. Um, and if you find yourself as someone who just wants to educate yourself, um, if you find yourself getting into Facebook arguments with like high school friends yeah. or family members, yeah. this book, I think, really helps um, it helps you figure out ways to have those conversations and hopefully productive, meaningful ways. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a really great book and I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And I guess my golden takeaway from this episode is that once again, the Golden Girls are a great example of, you know, uh, being sort of leaders in in having these com- these complicated conversations in really entertaining ways and comedic ways. But having these really important conversations and sort of leading the way on people on growing people's understanding of different types of issues. And I love that they can be catalysts for these conversations, but I also think it's important to recognize that, you know, the golden girls aren't perfect and they had their own, the show had its own issues with lack of diversity and with lack of representation in a lot of ways. And there are moments of course of representation, but there's definitely a lack of it too. And you know, a lot of times I'm, I I have a fun conversation I often have is like if they remade the Golden Girls, like who would you cast? And one of the things that I noticed with some people is they only cast white people. They only their dream cast is only white actors. And I'm thinking like, but the Golden Girls isn't a white show. It doesn't need to be a white show. It can, if you remake the Golden Girls in your fantasy remake, it doesn't have to be an all white cast, you know, and frankly, right. for Miami it wouldn't necessarily be an all white cast. One of them might be Hispanic. One of them might be Jewish. One of them might be black. I mean, it's a very multicultural city. And so um, I don't know. I just think we should broaden our, our sort of 
understanding of the show in a lot of ways, still love the show, hold the show accountable when it needs to be held accountable, but at the same time recognize that they were doing their best for the moment and the time that they existed. And we can't, we can't hold them accountable to standards in which we fortunately have evolved to today. And so we just have to recognize that some things are wrong. They were wrong then they shouldn't have been done, but yet they were done. And it was a different time. And so we need to keep that in perspective as we watch the show and as we still enjoy the show, I think. Um, and we do enjoy the show. Or, um, I mean, we, we definitely do. It's it's what we do. <laughs> yes, it's what we do. Um, and that was our episode for today. Um, thank you Yay! all so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week when we watch It's Beginning to Look a Lot Less Like Christmas. A Christmas episode. I love it. Christmas, Christmas episode, episode in... March. I love it. That's so exciting to me. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, so you guys, you can follow us, as you know, on the social medias. Um, but first off, we are a part of the Hoo Ha Ha family. So please download the Hoo Ha Ha app and listen to us on Hoo Ha Ha or anywhere that you, of course, you know, listen to podcasts and give us a little rating and review because that really does help. We really appreciate all of the kind words that you give to us. So if you listen to us on Spotify, Please like it there and 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 recommend it and do the things you do on Spotify. Same on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast at on Twitter at Golden Girls Pod, on Instagram at Out on the Lanai Official, on Facebook at Golden Girls Pod. And I am H. Allen Scott and Sadie Pines on everything. And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And real quick, I just have to say, I was telling Stan earlier about how anytime I post photos of my baby, um, uh, people will comment like, oh, little Oreo. And I had to explain. <laughs> he was like, where does that come from? And I had to go, well, Blanche, Blanche has a daughter. He goes, oh, and her name's Oreo? And I said, well, no, no, her name's Rebecca. And then she had a baby through IVF. And he's like, oh, and the baby's name is Oreo. And I said, well, no, the baby's name's Aurora. And they call her little Oreo. He's like, why little Oreo? I was like, I don't know. She's a baby. Um, anyway, it was just, it was really funny explaining it to him. One thing we didn't mention in this episode is that Rebecca gets mentioned again. I believe Rebecca, Rebecca appears in an episode this season oh, on the Golden Palace. No, I, mean, I haven't watched all of them, but uh, Rebecca, but, but Dor or Blanche talks about Rebecca being an ugly baby, which I, oh, that's right in this episode. Right, right. Oh, it's so good. It's so oh. good. Okay, guys. Well, remember, note, as, as always, stay golden. And give us a rating and review. Thanks for